Smarter and informed customers no longer compare you to your direct competitors. They compare you to the best service they've ever received. So you're not being compared to other builders. You're being compared to the service you're getting at Apple or the service you're getting from Amazon. So the you know, those, that experience could be, you know, it could be from a restaurant or a resort they visited or, or the neighborhood store that, you know, delivers the, delivers this customized, you know, the preferred, um, you know, chips or whatever it is, um, you know, that's where the benchmark is set. So, you know, we're consumers and, and process, home buyer and prospects are seeing that in other areas. So it's now time for, for builders. I mean, it's beyond time. We, we have to step up to that plate. Hi, and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elfman. We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related. All from different perspectives. And today, our focus discussion of the week is making it personal with Angela McKay from Lasso. So super excited to have her on the show. But first, let's dive into our top topics of the week. And I'm going to go first. So I am really excited to report back about the Women in Residential Construction Conference. Um, I had talked about it on an earlier episode, and I have just returned from it. And one of the speakers, actually the keynote speaker, was Amy Sandler uh, from Radical Candor. And I'm sure a lot of listeners have read Radical Candor or have heard about it. Um, it's really, it's really an exceptional topic on really on how to get what you want by saying what you mean, and I have found it fascinating. I consider myself a good leader, but when I listen to these concepts and I read these concepts, I'm reminded that there are so many places to continue to improve. And one of the things that I've personally been doing recently that I think could be helpful to our listeners is really some um, personal mindfulness and just, you know, you in order to say what you mean, you need to know what, what you actually think and spend some time with your own thoughts. And for me, that's always been difficult. I've always had a hard time slowing down and really taking that deep breath and having time to be alone with my own thoughts. So one of the things that I've started to do is I have started to use an app called Simple Habit. So write that one down. Matt, have you ever heard of Simple Habit? Uh, no, I've not. I just wrote down Simple Habit. So tell me tell, uh, tell me a little bit okay. about it. What is so it? So this will... Um, this is for just connecting with your own self and mindfulness. It is essentially five minutes of meditation or mindfulness that anyone can do at any point throughout their day. And this app is so cool because whatever you're feeling, like if you're waking up in the morning and you want to have five minutes of mindfulness when you wake up, there's um, something to listen to. If you're stressed and you just need to take five minutes and breathe and de-stress, there's something to listen to. If you need help falling asleep, there's something to listen to. And what's so amazing to me is all of us are so busy, right? Like how much do we have going on? So if you can take five minutes a day for yourself to just really focus inwards, it makes such a difference. And the way this ties back to radical candor is this uh, keynote speaker, Amy Sandler, I just, I was fascinated by her. I found her message and the way she delivered it to be amazing. And I found out after the fact, when I looked her up, that she has a, a series of um, mindfulness uh, five-minute meditations on this app that I already use. So I went and I listened huh. to it. And it's essentially mindfulness for leaders. And that's those are our listeners today. So um, I just loved it. And I think um, before you can connect with an audience, you all, you have to know yourself. And I think as leaders and, and professionals, we, we forget that that doesn't just apply to our companies and our brand. It, it applies to us as individuals. 
Yeah, no, I think that's really good. I, th you know, talking about that app specifically, I, I know personally me that is sitting, my wife jokes and tells me all the time. She's like, you just, you can't just sit still and be quiet or not be quiet, but be in the quiet. And I really, truly struggle with that because when I, as soon as I sit still, my brain just starts running a hundred miles an hour. And it's honestly one of the reasons why even at night, uh, laying in bed, I like to turn the TV on for a little bit because it just allows me to essentially zone out, but not sit in quiet. Hey. I'm using air quotes around quiet, uh, but it's, it's hard. And the idea here would be, instead of zoning out, zone in and then spend that five minutes with yourself. And when you think about it, you never do it. And like how indulgent is five minutes with yourself? So like it's essentially just breathing and thinking about your breaths and filling your lungs with air and just letting yourself have those five minutes. So I, I think you're going to like it. I really, I think everyone should try it. I will definitely okay. try it and we'll report, we'll okay. report back. <laughs> Let's see if it if I can sit still for five minutes. I'm, I guarantee you it will take more than a few tries. Yeah. It'll take some habit building. But the truth is, even just taking one really deep breath and filling your lungs with air, do it. Come on, Matt. Like, <sighs> it really does relax you, your whole body. So start with one breath, one breath at a time. That's right. That's right. I, you know, it's funny. My Apple Watch, when it updated, this is like a year ago, it has that functionality or an app that's called Breathe, and it'll remind you every once in a while to like stop and take yep. a breath. I, I, tur I turned that <laughs> reminder off. You need to breathe. <laughs> I was like, stop it. I don't have time for that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's fun stuff. Okay. I will, I seriously will try it and we'll, uh, I'll report back my findings. All right. So <clears throat> my topic. Uh, I found this really interesting because this was a, an article that was written. It's talking about the study looking at eroding consumer trust in information shared online. And so obviously as political season starts ramping up and accusations start flying around and all this kind of stuff, uh, there's all these surveys and stuff that were done. And I'm not going to talk about all the different like political sides of the surveys, but just the like the outlets and things of where people in the public is concerned about deception um or miss i find this uh i find this 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 word really uh interesting we're talking about misinformation it's like they're spreading misinformation aka yeah. lies right like it's like we've we've softened up the term right. lies into misinformation um but where people can trust and it talks about, you know, what people do trust and they see like between liberal and conservative, a lot of these line up pretty closely and it's in order. It's like educational research, local news outlet. I find that really interesting that it's a local news outlet that has a high level of trust and not necessarily the CNNs or Fox News or, you know, the, the cable network news. I find that really interesting. Um, and the news publications, one that I, that's up at the top that I find interesting is actual government. Uh, just the term government. I find uh, maybe that's the conspiracy, conspiracy theorist in me that finds that, uh, kind of interesting that so many people find that a high level of trust. Uh, but social media on uh, falls towards the bottom of where people trust. And I find that really interesting because, this even dives into like the deep fake stuff, like the videos. We talked about that on a few episodes. Like, do you believe that this could happen to you? And, you know, is this happening in our judiciary system now with this, these deep fake videos? So this kind of goes into a deep end of some of this stuff. But what I find interesting is the social media side. It talks about in general, the lower level of trust, but also I think that's when things are just being published on social media from these unknown sources or, you know, the, the spin on from the cable news networks, things like that. Um, but in reality, we as consumers trust social media, I think more than almost any place when it comes to talking with the friends that we're connected Absolutely. with. Like <clears throat> if you're 
if you're looking for something, I see this happen all the time. If you're looking for something, you're going to go online and post and ask, ask other friends for recommendations. I mean, we just did this when my daughter got in her first fender bender. And so we went out there and was like, hey, looking for good, reputable repair, you know, body shops and things like that. And we posted in our neighborhood forum. We I posted on my, you know, just on my general page and people start chiming in. And those are the places of where we start. That's where we start our, our, our discovery process of looking around. And it's a, I find that that's a much shorter time period in the research process because it's like, okay, well, these three or four places were recommended by people that I know, like, and trust online. Um, and so I really was like, okay, if I can get a hold of a couple of these people and get some estimates, I feel confident that I've vet, done my job in vetting um, the work. Yeah. You know, people trust people. And I think people are less likely to trust a company or a brand if they don't know the people behind it. And we talk about that a lot with marketing in general um, is, is creating that trust by being real and being authentic and putting your people out there because, you know, I, I get it that people don't trust social media as a platform, but they trust the people they know on social media. And even, even with star ratings on social media, we see that people are less likely to trust a brand with a five-star rating than a brand that has a four-and-a-half-star rating because they know that that's more realistic, that someone's going to post something negative. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I just think that that shows more the significant power of social media um, and, and where people do trust. And as a company, you've got to be aware of that. And it's one of those things that uh, having a presence online and making sure that you're interacting with people the right way um, and where they like to be interacted with, it, uh, it really allows you to ha continue to have a voice in the conversation. But also understanding that the new conversation at the kitchen table is conversations that are happening online. Um, and people are asking their social network of friends for quick recommendations, just like I did when I was looking for a body shop repair person to help fix my daughter's car. Um, if you don't think that people are chiming in and asking their social influence or their influence of people online about experiences they've had or real estate agents to use or home builders to work with, or more importantly, sometimes to stay away from, I mean, that part is, is crazy. And so got to make sure that we keep that in mind when we're dealing with our customers and, and really taking the thought process of um, being transactional and turning that into more of a lifetime customer mentality. So anyway, just kind of food for thought. That was my article and something that really kind of spoke to me. And uh, I hope you guys will find it inter interesting. Obviously, we'll post the uh, everything in the show notes. You can check that out. So, all right. Um, when we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're actually going to be joined by Angela K, one of my favorite people, uh, and she from Lasso. And uh, she's going to be talking to us about making it personal. So uh, really, really good trying to break down that uh, how we make the data and the marketing personal, meaning how do we make it matter to our customers? So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we are back. We are going to dive into our focus discussion of the week this week. And we're really excited because we have one of our most favorite people in the whole wild world. And I would say by far our favorite Canadian, uh, Angela McKay from Lasso CRM. Welcome to the show, Ange. Well, thank you very much for having me. I think I might be your only Canadian to date. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, who's kidding? <laughs> no, we both love you. We're so happy I, to have you on and um, especially the topic for the day and, um, you know, just have like an open conversation and, and go from there. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So 
when we talked about what you were going to talk about and you said, let's talk about making it personal. And I found that to be a really interesting thing because we love talking about marketing and all the, we, we talk about all the marketing and all the data and everything that we collect all the time from customers that data that gets collected by about us. And I think that I've said this on a couple different occasions that people enjoy being marketed to as long as it makes sense to them. Right. And so first, before we kind of dive into that whole making it personal with all the data and, and all the nerdy stuff, let's let's in case you've been living under a rock and you don't know Angela from Lasso, um, let's start by you telling us a little bit about you and your background and kind of maybe how you came into the industry. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I am uh, I'm the VP of client experience at Lasso. And actually, we just recently got acquired, uh, actually, back almost a year ago, in a year ago in December by ECI Software Solutions. And just to give you a little bit of a background, this is this is or or was my second career. Um, some of you likely know Dave Clements. Uh, he's the former CEO owner of Lasso. And years before Lasso, and this is gonna I'm gonna show my age, uh, he hired me for the first time when I was a newly graduate uh, out of college. And I'm not going to say how many years ago. <laughs> um, I worked for a systems integration provider and I was responsible for selling custom training solutions for companies. And I worked for this company for about 10 years until my daughter was about a year old. And uh, I'm sure many women can, can relate to this, but the struggles of having a young family and two demanding careers set in. And I shouldn't say women, both men and women. Um, I had a senior women. executive. <laughs> <laughs> right. I had a senior executive role and I quit. Um, I, you know, I quit, I just quit cold turkey. And, but I did, co I contracted for about seven years and it allowed me the best of both worlds. And I could take my kids to school. I could go on field trips. I was in control of my hours. And in about 2007, uh, the writing was on the wall that one of my marketing contracts uh, with a company was going to be over. Uh, they were taking things in-house and they were based in Toronto. And I, I did a little bit of research. I learned about Lasso and I... Um, and I learned that my former colleagues, uh, Dave Clements and Rick Talbot, both of whom I'd worked with in the past, were, um, were there and were part of the company. I had developed some email marketing skills, and I'd also just rolled out CRM to the company I was with. Um, so I was familiar with CRM and, and email, which was something that uh, had a lot of appeal. Um, to Dave, and because Lasso was expanding the email marketing functionality at the time. So I started there in 2008, which was probably not the best time in the industry. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, what was good was that I continued to contract. So because I needed flexibility and I worked part time, um, I maintain, you know, I, I maintain, I kept my job um, because I was willing to reduce hours. Uh, plus, I was pretty versatile. I, I kind of, you know, I, Dave would say, can you do this? I'd say yes. Can you do that? I'd say yes. You know, and I, even if I couldn't, I figured it out. Um, I set up clients. I supported them for email marketing. And then when the marketing person left Lasso, I moved into that role. Um, and so this was about 2009 and SEO was taking off. Digital marketing was relative, relatively new. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, blogging, all of that was, was really just starting up. And back to my education and training roots, I had a vision of Lasso becoming a resource for industry education, um, developing white papers and doing webinars and building connections with industry experts. So I started Lasso's webinar program and I did the first webinar. I, I was so nervous. <laughs> I, I had about 50 people show up and someone had told me that go to webinar could, you know, automatically record. And of course it didn't. And I had to do it over again. And when you have to do something once over again, you end up having to do it over and over and you mess up and all of that fun stuff. Anyways, I did it. And, you know, fast forward about 10 years, I think we've done, oh gosh, 50, 75 webinars oh, at over least, the years. At least. It's uh, um, and, you know, just to be clear, um, 
you know, the, the one I did, that very first one is no longer in our <laughs> archives. So nobody can, nobody can dig it out. Um, it was about listening to your, le- ironically, it was about listening to your leads online. And the funny thing is it's still totally relevant today. Um, learning about your prospects from their online activity. So, you know, fast forward, I became the VP of marketing and was pretty instrumental in developing what I what I like to call Lasso's personality more, you know, more than the brand and the events we participated, the industry people um, we work with and of course our clients uh, we want it to be easy to work with customer focused and really an extension of our clients uh, team. And building community is important to me and it's important to Lasso and now really important to ECI as well. Uh, About two years ago, I moved into a customer experience role and I work with all areas of the business to ensure um, that we're really providing the best possible experience to our clients. And um, I work with our clients to help them with adoption and usage to achieve a higher uh, return on investment. Um, But I've also continued to work with our partners and to continue to deliver education and resources to the industry. And, you know, Home Builder Tech in Nashville this past year was an example of something that I'm, you know, and I I know we all, I say collectively we, because it was all with you two as well, um, you know, something to be really proud of. And, um, you know, we worked to provide a really awesome event for the industry. And to me, that's accomplishing not only do we provide great software at Lasso? But my goal also is to provide great education to the industry that we serve. And, and that's sort of a, you know, it's sort of a nutshell. And I, I guess I should, I should also add, you know, my roots are one of my most favorite jobs I ever had um, in was I was a concierge at a major hotel downtown in downtown Vancouver. And I did this for about five years. It put me through college. Um, but it really, it, you know, it has hung on to me my entire career because it taught me so much about the importance of good service and truly delighting your customers. Um, I got to know the guests and they entrusted me the days that they were there. Um, I have, um, you know, it is it is absolutely uh, probably the best training ground to fully um, understand and appreciate what you need to do to um, provide great customer um, customer service. And I've also, you know, just as a side note, I've been a huge fan of hiring people that come from the hospitality industry because they're first of all they're well trained, they're professional, um, they're very service oriented, and they are used to a really busy environment. Which you know we know that um, that's where we are. <laughs> we're at. We've got to wear multiple hats. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I think that you guys have or you have done a fantastic job of being that resource. And you have gone out um, across so many different, you know, companies and experts throughout the industry and really done a good job of cultivating all of that information to be the singular resource. And I think that that's been a big part of your all your company's success is that when people need resources and they want to hear a variety of different topics and things that are related to sales and marketing in our industry that i think that people know that you're a place to get that so i think that you guys have done a phenomenal job there thank you yeah and i just want to chime in because as i'm listening to you describe what you do on a daily basis your day-to-day work is a perfect reflection of you as a human and I think very few people have that. And I think it's probably why your your um, your work is so impressive because you are a natural connector. I know you personally introduced me to so many people in the industry. You have um, always been inviting and welcoming and inclusive. And I think that that it really is who you are. So, you know, having your perspective here today is so valuable because you are exactly what you talk about and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Thank you, Molly. I appreciate that. All right. So Matt will probably want to get into some of the dorky questions before we get into that. <laughs> do you like how I call <laughs> out on that? Um, before we get to that, I do want to talk a little bit about um, just that, that, um, personal feeling and, and really more of those relationships and, and what you were starting to get into. I don't know if you know this about me, but I actually started in the hospitality industry as well. 
And um, I had first started by doing marketing for hotels and going and staying at the hotels and evaluating those experiences. And I think that you are onto something there with that um, because hospitality and housing really do go hand in hand. And, you know, especially when you talk about destinations and, and the experience of um, the customer. I, I really just want to talk about the personal aspect of it um, and really like how how do you even start with that, like the personal experience and, and where Lasso fits into that? Well, I think there is, um, you know, con- consumers are demanding it. And I, I think it is, um, you know, we talk about, I think you had Dennis, um, Dennis O'Neill on the, on the show um, a while ago talking about um, we want to focus on what makes us different and why they should consider us. And that really, you know, they can, consumers can get so much information about the company, about the builder, um, floor plans, all of that information. But you need to, as, um, as, as sales and marketing people, we need to focus in on um, how we can, how we can be different and, and what makes us different. And, we need to figure out what those buyers, um, you know, what makes them tick and what they are. Um, we want to be, we, we want to provide a relevant message, but a thoughtful message to them and be able to really um, hone in on what they are, um, what they truly desire and how they're feeling as opposed to just those, um, you know, just the information, the, the, the requirements that they have, the two bedroom, the, um, you know, all of those, the, the basic requirements, we need to figure out what it is that are is making them tick. And we can gather that information from the CRM. So we can, we are monitoring them both from a digital monitoring. That sort of sounds like an awful, uh, <laughs> awful word doesn't it but we are you know we're able to um to to really listen to them both from an online perspective their activity what they what is making them tick and we're we're um, gathering that information into the crm so that we can then provide that relevant um that relevant message to them and really um guide them through the the buying process. Yeah, I, I love that because I, I find it fascinating. We're talking about being personal, but then we're t- also talking about data and collection and analyzing that data. And it can be hard to be able to do both of those things. And I know for me, it's hard to, to evaluate data and numbers and traffic and all of that, um, and then turn that into that message and that call to action. So um as we're talking about data, I know Matt is probably jumping out of his skin, wanting to dive in more on that side of things. So why don't we go in a little bit of the data direction? And Matt, why don't you jump in here? Yeah, it's it's really interesting, you know, not just about the, the data side of it, but, you know, I, I remember, you know, I would, we would train, I would train my sales teams on CRM use, Lasso specifically. And one of the big things was, hey, this is where we can see and learn about our prospects and what they're doing. And, you know, it'll say, you know, Angela McKay visited these pages and looked at these floor plans and they were on the website as recently as of yesterday. And you know, all of these things are really great information to have. However, you know, the, the saying from, here's my dorkiness, the saying from Spider-Man, what is it? Great with, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but you can't call your prospect up and say, Hey, Angela, I see that you were on our website looking at the Juniper floor plan an hour ago, and I wanted to chat with you creep. about the Juniper floor plan, <laughs> because then they're, they're going to be like, creep. And so I think it's really vital, and this is where it kind of ties into what, you know, making it personal, and how if you make things contextual, that people enjoy it, but you can't take it over the top and use it as, you know, big brother. Uh, and, and as far as all 
using all the data? I mean, wh- what do you see? What do you how, what do you think about that? Oh, I mean, that's the first thing we you know our our clients love the data analytics and the or the website analytics and being able to tell when somebody is on a website, being able to see what pages they viewed. Um, but the last, but the most important piece that we always tell them is is don't ever uh, don't ever call them out on it. <laughs> Use that information carefully and. Um, in a in a in a smart way, um, you know, consumers are smart these days, though too. They they totally get it. They know that um, they are giving up a little bit of privacy, a little bit of information, so that they they are expecting a better experience as a result. So they are expecting you to to reach out to them and 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 notice and and notice, you know, not in a um, in a deliberate. Um, direct way, <laughs> but but reach out to them and and let them know that there is a there's an opportunity to go see that that um, model that they've had their eye on. Um, reach out to them, take some pictures of of some of those of the view or of the um, of that room that they really have they they loved and they want to get a look you know, remind them of the information that they saw, you know, when they visited a, a, a model. So you need to, you know, be personal. Um, I think it's something that um, realtors are really good at as far as, you know, the realtor for life <laughs> and, and providing and building a relationship and really trusting. So, you know, home buyers are expecting you to be knowledgeable. They're, they want to trust you. They are expecting you to provide good service. Um, they, want the, they want it to be easy. They want you to be reliable. So be available to them, uh, be honest, um, provide value. So you, you need to think about all of those, um, those seven items that they're expecting. You need to think about that in all of your communication and create that personal experience. Be relevant and be, be thoughtful. Yeah. And when you say, because I think that you, you've done a really good job and your company at Cultivating those relationships, you know, I, I can only assume you've got just like you can see when people go into your system, you can see what they do, just like builders can see prospects. And, and but how do you what are some kind of best practices that you've just seen that you guys have seen that help that can help people implement really trying to to make and utilize that personal connection without it feeling like this creepy big brother looking over their shoulder? <laughs> I think oh that's a good that's a, a good question. First of all, I you know I think it's it's information you're building. What I love to see is um that the example of a prospect from initial interest right through to to purchase and how that profile builds up and all of the interactions, all of the communications, the number of website visits, all of that that um, that builds up on the profile. Um, it's only as good as the information that is is entered. So as you learn more about the prospect as a as a salesperson, it's really important to update your um, update the information in your CRM. It only helps you. It allows you to be be more relevant. But there's a there's a, a certain point, uh, you know, I, I think being timely, as I said earlier, consumers are expecting you to react to um, visits. It's similar to when you're shopping on Amazon and you leave something in your your shopping cart. What do you get the next day from Amazon? You get an email Mm -hmm. saying, don't miss out. Right. <laughs> you've, you've, you know, this, this item, there's only two left or there's only, and, and I'm expecting that. Um, I don't find it creepy. I don't find it, um, you know, I am expecting, in fact, I would be, um, I would, I think I would miss feel, feel neglected if I didn't get something from, from Amazon or whatever, whatever retailer, whatever company is, is uh, you're, you're doing some online shopping late at night. So, oh, I I agree, hundred percent. I mean, heck, sometimes it's within uh, minutes of <laughs> of you leaving your cart or checking out, you get the email notification from Amazon that says, "Hey, we see that you were thinking about pressing the purchase button. Mm. Uh, this thing is not going to last long." Uh, <laughs> but Absolutely. the re- but the the ironic part about all of that is, and we kind of joke tongue in cheek, but 
the reality of it is, is our consumers are being trained by their everyday um, interactions with everything else on what they should expect from every single company that they interact with based on these simple interactions that they have with companies like Amazon or Netflix, where you can press pause on your Apple TV and then you know, pick it up on your Apple phone later, exactly where you left off. Oh, absolutely. You know what? There is a, there's a customer experience expert. Um, his name is Shep Hyken. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And, you know, he says, I got to find this here. It's, um, Smarter and informed customers no longer compare you to your direct competitors. They compare you to the best service they've ever received. So you're not being compared to other builders. You're being compared to the service you're getting at Apple or the service you're getting from Amazon. So the, you know, those, that experience could be, you know, it could be from a restaurant or a resort they visited or, or the neighborhood store that, you know, delivers the, delivers this customized, you know, the preferred, um, you know, chips or whatever it is. Um, you know, that's where the benchmark is set. So, you know, we're consumers and, and home buyer and prospects are seeing that in other areas. So it's now time for, for builders. I mean, it's beyond time. We, we have to step up to that plate. And, you know, from a marketing perspective, we're, we're doing that a little bit with retargeting and, and, you know, you only have to, sometimes you feel like you only have to think the word mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it appears in your Facebook feed. I'm not sure how that happens. I really don't, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's remarkable. So from a marketing perspective, that's, you know, that is happening in retargeting and, and in ads. And it's, I mean, it's, it, it's quite remarkable sometimes. And I, I'm sad, I'm sad to say that I have a lot of aging skincare products that are coming up in my feed these days. I'm not sure I like that, but, uh, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's the reality. Yeah. I, I really think that that is it right there. And I think that our industry isn't quite getting it. Um, and I, we, you know, we've started to have this conversation, but we're still talking about competing with the builder down the street. Even of course, we're always competing with resale, but no, it goes so much further than that. You are competing with Apple. Like that is, we have to provide that experience because the consumer is just changing at a really, really quick pace. So I think that message alone for our listeners is just nobody is doing it yet. Even though we all know we need to do it, that is how you're going to differentiate is that experience at every level. And we're talking about it right now from marketing, but it has to carry through to sales. It carries through to the to the whole process all the way for, throughout your entire organization. It doesn't even matter what you sell. Like it doesn't matter if you sell houses or you sell uh, sneakers or jeans. It doesn't matter what you sell. And the, you said it, Molly, you know, you're being compared to, you know, you're competing against Apple. I don't think you're, you know, as a home builder, you're not actually competing against Apple, but you're being compared against Apple. You're being compared against Amazon. You're being compared against every other interaction. And if you think about how you're being, you know, the type of experience that that people have with these other companies, whether whether they're buying a computer or a pair of tennis shoes or their detergent off Amazon, it doesn't matter what it is. It's these small little purchases. And think about how what those expectations may be and how much they may be intensified or amplified when they actually come to purchase their home. Because you're going from a $30 item or a $1,000 item to a half a million dollar item. What are those levels of expectations? And, and this is where we get into making it, you know, whole full circle around what Angela was talking about. I think that quote was right on spot, right on point was, you know, about making it making it personal absolutely and and managing you said it too matt managing expectations um you know another example i purchased there's a there's a company called mixed tiles i don't know if you've heard of it i don't know how large they are but they keep popping up in my feed so i ordered some their their um instagram square style foam core pictures that you can have you can have print you can have printed and they stick right on the wall i get those ads <laughs> Yeah, they're they're great. They're fun. They're they're and they're not that ex they're not a, that expensive. Well, I got an email. I ordered a whole bunch 
or got an email saying that they should arrive by Friday last week. They arrived Wednesday. How awesome is that? (laughs) But you know what? All it took, maybe they knew all along that I was going to receive them on Wednesday and they told me Friday. But now I think they are the best company in the whole world (laughs) because they surpassed my expectations. I love that. I always say that um, airlines say the flight is going to be longer than it is just so when they get there on time or ahead of schedule, they're not making everyone mad. Right. Like, good news, everyone. We arrived 10 minutes early. (laughs) Bad news. If you're flying into Philadelphia, we need to sit here for 15 minutes. Oh, gosh. Philly's the worst. (laughs) Um, I love that concept, though, of just, you know, really making sure that you aren't just meeting the expectation, but you are you're above and beyond that expectation and being aware of it. And, um, you know, earlier when we were talking about our top topics, we were talking about trust and mindfulness, and it really all goes together with what we're talking about here. Um, My question for you is, is more about the industry as a whole. And I'm curious because it used to be my perception that builders were severely underutilizing the capabilities of their CRM. And I'm curious to know if you still find that to be the case um, or, or do you think that um, there's been some progress there? I, I think there's been progress. It's a, it's a great question because I, I do think that there's there's progress uh, be out of necessity, uh, <laughs> but I think it, it's marginal. So there's certain areas that that are embracing and utilizing technology um, and CRM full heartedly, and you know that is I, I think marketing is doing a great job, and I think the the online sales um, counselor type role um, are utilizing it because that is their bread and butter. They ha- they absolutely have to. They don't have a choice. Um, I think on-site, on-site sales still struggle sometimes with uh, with the the benefits of the CRM, and but I but I see improvement because I I see you know this is a whole other discussion about culture and and um, who drives it and and accountability and all of that. But you know I think salespeople and and really those that are that are going to be successful those on-site salespeople they have a responsibility and correct me if i'm wrong matt they probably should drive about 30 percent of their leads is that about right yeah i i would say i break down the traffic part of it into into three pieces so you've got walk-in realtor and um referral and i think that the company is responsible for driving basically one of the three pieces um, because the salesperson can have a direct impact on realtors and referrals where they don't have as much of an impact as the traditional walk-in traffic unit. And that walk-in go, there's a, that's a big umbrella because that can be literal walk-in that can be OSC that, you know, that's, so I actually think that the on-site salesperson is responsible for driving two of the three pieces of traffic for themselves. Okay. Yeah. So it's more, it's probably more when it, when you break it down on percentage, it's probably more than that. But Mm -hmm. what I think there's, there's a lot of them are starting to realize is that their CRM isn't just for, from a marketing and from a builder perspective, but it can help them dig into um, their, their referral um, those that are going to give the them the the referral business, and you know they going back to that, you know those successful the the purchaser the purchasers within the database. I, you know, salespeople need to get better too at asking for the referral and learning more about the um, their their purchasers and being that realtor for life. So going back to you know what what resale agents do really well is stick with provide that customer service and and service and connect with those purchasers their entire life, not just for the purchase. And I think that is where we're starting to see a shift and hopefully more so where the home home builder sales agents will start to see that there is value in, or, and I think they already have, I mean, that's a generalization, but, but start to, to utilize that, um, those existing, what's in the database um, more so. To their advantage, and what we're seeing also is that some of these builders have had, uh, they've they've got data going back ten plus years now, so they're starting to see repeat 
purchasers and they've got data on these on repeat purchasers now. So somebody who purchased a home 10 years ago, maybe now ready to, to build a second home or, you know, they've, they've outgrown their first, they need to, they, they're looking and interested in another community. So there's, there's so much more in the database now um, than ever before. And I think sales and marketing are starting to, starting to realize that and utilize that data. I think you said something interesting as you were right, as you were talking, I wrote down a note uh, because you talked about compare, you compared general real real estate agents to builders and the general real estate agent is much more relationship for life because they look at this as the average consumer uh, will move every five to seven years. And I can sell, you know, we look at it, they look at a total life's, um, lifespan value of a customer, not just one singular transaction. And so I can sell this person a house. I might be able to sell this person four or five homes. And then how many can they refer me to their friends and family? And so you start to see these are the top realtors, right? The, you know, the, the 80, 20 rule, 20% of the realtors are, you know, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. So you look at the top performing real estate agents and they're always doing things in the community, client appreciation events. You know, I see it in my area. It's like, oh, we're going to a Durham Bulls game. That's the AAA baseball team. And they'll buy a bunch of tickets and have client appreciation days and things like that. I think that we as builders um, look at things too transactional instead of that lifetime customer relationship. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think that we've got to make a shift into that total like customer for life, because if they move every five to seven years, how many homes could they rebuild with us? And I think that we look at that too, of a, too narrowly. And what I mean by that is we're as, I think builders are looking at the relationship as, okay, I built them the house. And honestly, I want to not be in front of this person that much after the fact for simple fact of it's going to, every time they see me, it's going to remind me, remind them to file a warranty claim. <laughs> they're never, they feel like they're never going to get out of the warranty business. And I'm using air quotes. Um, you know, they're never going to get out of the warranty business. If they do that, every time they see me, they think, uh, oh, well, they're going to file another warranty claim. And I think that's a, that's a complete mindset shift in our industry. I think there's one other thing too, Matt, because I most of the builders we work with want people or want to believe that people are going to live in their homes longer because they don't want to compete with their own resale. So they, you know, have this false belief that, oh, the five to seven doesn't apply to our buyers. They're going to live there longer. And I think they kind of try to trick themselves into thinking that so that they're not worried about their own resale homes coming on the market and competing with their newer product. No, I agree. Uh, I, I agree. I think it's, I think it's a twofold thing. So yeah. I, I don't, I, I mean, that's a, that's a whole different rabbit hole. We might even be able to dedicate a whole, whole yeah. podcast yeah. episode to that. Uh, but I, I just thought that was a great comparison and how we have to shift our mindset of, we are so transactional as an industry and we're coming back around like you, we've got all this information that we collect about people and the interactions that they have with our company and our people and make, we don't really make it personal very well. And I think making it personal extends well beyond following up with them and making sure, you know, that we get them information about the house they saw online. And making it personal extends into, you know, that whole relationship well past closing. Well, it's, it, you know, it's, I, I look at what I, what we have accomplished at Lasso and we have built a community and we have built a community of referrers. We've built a community of, of clients. We have built a community, you know, of, of industry experts. And I, and I think, you know, we're in a, we're in technology, but home builders need to think of it as well they're they're building communities literally <laughs> but but they need to build a community as well of realtors of of purchasers of referrals of of people that may not ever live in their communities but will definitely support and recommend and refer and when you build community and and you build it in a positive way you're 
naturally inherently going to be successful. I love that. I love it. Okay. I want to, I want to um, go in a little bit of a personal um, direction, if that's okay with you. Um, so we were just together at women in residential construction and, you know, I think I love getting to spend time with you because we talk about everything. We talk about business, <laughs> we talk about life, we talk about, you know, being mothers, we talk about everything. And I always find it very fulfilling. And one of the things that you shared with the group at Women in Residential Construction was was really about your mom and the legacy that she has left with you. And it, it was really powerful for me, so much so that I think about your mom uh, quite often, and I never got to even meet her. So I was hoping that you would share a little bit about that with our audience, if that's okay. Oh, sure. It's uh, it's kind of fun. Well, you know, I was her favorite. <laughs> That's what I think I started out right. by saying that. So, I mean, you know, no matter who you are or, or what you do, um, there's one thing that everyone has in common. And, and it's, it's the need to feel good, right? I mean, that is to feel appreciated, to know that you've done a good job. And it doesn't matter what position you're in, um, whether you're you know, president of a company, whether you're an admin person, manager, it's just, it's human nature. Um, and so my mom, as Molly said, my mom, my mom passed away this year at the amazing age of 92. Hopefully I have her genes and she made me feel pretty special. And uh, it's what mothers are, are naturally, hopefully I am as well. Hope mothers are good at. And as I said, I, you know, I was her favorite. I'm sure of it. <laughs> But the caveat here is if you ask five, my, my other five siblings or her 19 grandchildren or her 23 great grandchildren, they all too will say that they were her favorite. So, you know, this is the gift that she had and the gift of making everyone feel uniquely special. And, you know, it didn't stop there. Like my friends, her friends, um, the nursing staff all loved her. And because they, they too thought um, that they were her favorite. And, you know, the gift that she had, she listened intently. She kept in touch. Um, she provided non-judgmental advice, most, you know, <laughs> most, mostly to others, maybe a little bit to her, to her kids. Um, and you always knew that you were in her thoughts. And, you know, she didn't have Facebook. She didn't have a smartphone. Um, you know, she, <laughs> she kept a, a recipe box with index cards of everyone in her life. And those cards had information like birthdays, uh, where and when they moved, somewhere, kids' names, um, a little tidbit of information to make the connection more personal. And she did this um, so she would never forget. So, you know, translate this now to CRM. You can kind of, there's a relationship there. She never forgot a special occasion and um, she would always reach out to re reach out to people. So she, she made, she made everyone feel special and you knew, um, you knew that it also made her feel pretty good as well. And when I spoke at um, the Women in Residential Construction, I, I talked about the fact that, you know, it's our job, especially as women, um, to fill people up and to, uh, to compliment them, to congratulate them. And it's, you know, what's kind of neat about it, it's, it's an instant high for everyone. And, and it's free. And it's, it's really, we have a job to raise people up and we aren't always great at it. You know, I think we sometimes forget how important it is and we want to, you know, particularly with women, we want to see more women in the boardroom and we want to, um, we need to help, help them get along. So, you know, what I, what I did at, at uh, YRAC is, you know, I really challenged everyone to um, reach out to people, make a connection, um, be thoughtful, and uh, ultimately be kind. It's important. And I, I think we, you know, in business, sometimes we get caught up with our KPIs and our, uh, you know, the, the sales numbers that we make. And, and all of that is really important. I'm not disputing, you know, we have to run a business and we have to be successful, but the human side is is really important and if you can nail that and get that uh, you know figure that part out in an authentic way obviously you will naturally be successful um, and you know we don't have recipe boxes um, you know with our registration cards hopefully 
<laughs> hopefully we don't. Um, well, we'll and, and hopefully, hopefully we have a proper CRM. But um, you know, it's it's that ability to 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 really tie in that personal touch um, with what they're what they're doing digitally and engage. Um, one of the there was a, there was, I saw something on Facebook yesterday and I'm just, um, Robert Gladstein from American classic homes. And I, I have no idea if it's, this is his quote, but I'm going to attribute it to him, um, and make him, make him feel special. But he, you know, he, he had a quote yesterday in Facebook. It's more important to be interested than it is to be interesting. I love it. And I'm sure that's a well-known quote. I I have no idea, but it's Robert's now. I, I really, I think that's the perfect way to um, wrap things up. I have to say, you know, I I think you are, you have such a powerful, inspiring voice in the industry. And to me personally, I, I know that you have continued your mom's legacy because quite frankly, I'm pretty convinced I'm your favorite. So, and I think Matt would, Matt would probably <laughs> say the same. And, you know, I, there is so much that carries over from the human connection to your CRM system and you just, uh, the way you verbalize it is really special. And I hope it's inspiring to our listeners because we have loved having you on today. Well, I have loved being here. Thank you. Absolutely. And I would say that the, the traits that you loved most about your mom, I think she did a fantastic job because I think she, you can definitely see oh. those in you. So I think she did a wonderful job there. Yeah. yeah. A virtual hug. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The virtual hug. Okay. All right. Let's, let's end this, um, on a, on a little kind of a fun note here. So what are you, what are you reading? What are you binge watching? And then what are you listening to on podcast or audiobook? Okay, so I'm not all that exciting when it comes to all this kind of uh, that kind of stuff. I am not much of a binge watcher, I have to admit. Um, I am a Peloton geek, so I do spend a lot of my spare time um, trying to uh, get on my Peloton on a daily basis. Um, I'm, I'm both fascinated by Peloton as a company, and I'm completely over the top with my Peloton <laughs> at home. So that um, uh, that's what I, I tend to do or walk my dog. That's uh, I, I'm definitely someone when I sit all day at work, I have to move in my free time. And that's just who I am. I got to release some of that energy. Um, as far as what I'm reading right now, I just finished Digital Minimalism, which is a bit ironic, I know. Uh, <laughs> Um, it is, it's a fabulous book and Matt's looking on his bookshelf for it. (laughs) I I thought, I I was like, I thought, I I think I have that, but no, maybe I don't. Well, I actually, and I, full disclosure, I actually listened to it on Audible while you were running, I bet. (laughs) On your Peloton. (laughs) Uh, But it, it is, you know, it made me really question, uh, a lot of, you know, I cleaned out my phone. Um, I'm, I'm trying. I'm. This is certainly not. Uh, you know, I have not done the 30 day no, um, no digital. Um, you know, no, um, no social media or anything for 30 days. I've not done that because it's just impossible from a work perspective. But I really have been tried to be more thoughtful. I am more aware of my screen time. I'm more aware of, um, you know, putting my phone down at night. And it's, you know, a a text message doesn't have to be responded to within 30 seconds or a Facebook notification, all that kind of stuff. So it is teaching me and uh, making me a little bit more mindful of, uh, uh, of being present. As far as, uh, so that was no Netflix, uh, podcasts, oh, podcasts. Um, I am a big fan of a lady by the name of Laura Vanderkam. And I have been reading her books as well as listening to her podcast. Um, She is, if you are a young mom or female, it's a little female oriented, I have to admit, she's a young mother of, of four kids. 
but she has written a book about uh, about time management, and I am really devouring as much as I can these days to improve productivity. Um, I consider myself to be fairly productive, but there's always room for improvement, and I'm a work in progress. So trying to be less distracted and more focused. And Laura is, um, she's written some fantastic books. There's one called 168 Hours. So we all have 168 hours in the week and making the best possible use of that time and and having a good balance of of work and personal. I love it. That's great. Those are, those are really good. All right, Ange. Well, um, we appreciate you so much being on the show and we appreciate all the the knowledge and information that you shared. And I think that uh, everyone listening has gotten a ton out of it. And we even got to talk about stuff that just wasn't CRM related, right? It, but it all circles back. It all circles back. All about people. I know. <laughs> it is. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on and uh, we'll have to have you back soon. All right. And that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much, Angela, for being on the show. Really good topics, really great conversations uh, as always. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us on another episode of Building Perspective. Make sure you join in on the conversation on our Facebook group, Building Perspective, where you can ask questions and get them read and answered in the show. So thanks, guys. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.